Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Uh, before we bring them on stage, we will be getting started with a little clip that you guys can watch. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome tonight's guests, authors of the book Refinery29, Style Stalking, available now on iBooks, editor-in-chief of Refinery29, Christine Barbaric, and executive creative director at Refinery29, Pierre Gillardi, and tonight's panel, executive editor at Harper's Bazaar, Laura Brown, fashion director at Cosmopolitan, Aya Kanai, and market director at Nylon, Preetma Singh. First of all, we want to thank the Apple Store for having us and thank all of you guys for coming out tonight. Um, it really means a lot. And yeah, so Christine and I wrote a book. It came out yesterday. Yay. We're really excited. Yay. It's a Buy book it. with words in it. It has words and in pictures. it and pictures. Mm -hmm. um, I have to move my chair because I can't see anybody. I'm sorry. There we go. Can you see? You're blinded see by the now? glory. That's good. Sorry. Yeah, so when we, um, you know, when Christine and I, started Refinery29 with our partners, Philip and Justin, we felt like the, the voice of fashion was very prescriptive. It was very top-down. And we knew from our own experience that you know style was an evolution and really about self-expression. And the two of us have gone through so many different iterations of how we dress and you know made some questionable choices in the, in the meantime and are definitely, you know. Some more embarrassing than others. And definitely feel like it's been, um, you know, a, a journey and something that has gone through different phases and, and has been also a journey of kind of finding ourselves in self-expression. So when we started the site, we really wanted to take a much more conversational tone and talk about, you know, personal style and expression and um, having fun with fashion. So that's really why we decided to create this book and, you know, a lot of what inspired us too was the women that we met um, along the way, different people in the industry. Yeah, these guys. Um, different people in the industry who were really fearless and kind of challenged the conventions with how they dressed and the way that they talked about style. And uh, that's why that's why we chose these guys. They're you know all incredible luminaries within the industry, but also people that are in. This book. We have jobs. And they on the jobs. cover. Mm -hmm. And yeah. on the cover of the, the book. Yeah. We, ha we, have, we a have a cover star cover in our girl. midst. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you do. First and only time. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing we wanted to talk about, too, is like sort of like the root of the book is really wanting to create a, a, a really comprehensive resource for great outfit ideas. Because obviously all of us like face um, innumerable getting dressed challenges every day, whether it's just for work or an interview or a rainy, crappy day like it is today. Um, let alone these really fancy occasions where we really have to, like, you know, kind of turn bring it up. It. Yeah, exactly, bring it. So I would love to start with Laura. Um, hi, honey. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm working this new hot look, by the way. It's called the Soggy Trouser. Um, you can take the sogginess almost, you know, a half a foot up your pants if you really work it. So just that's my tip. So you're the executive editor of Harper's Bazaar. Yeah. Um, obviously, a certain kind of expectation comes from that in terms of dressing the part. You have a lot of events that you go to. Your Instagram, which is... It's exhausting. It, it seems a little exhausting, but, <laughs> you know, what are some of the basic challenges that you face every morning when you're well, thinking about getting dressed? I think what, 
when you've worked in magazines for a long time, and I think you guys will understand this, there's this sort of understanding that you have an understanding, if that makes sense. Like, I could wear jeans every day, you know what I mean? But it's, it's I'm going to wear jeans with, like, a certain heel or I'm going to wear, like, a cool sweatshirt or, you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's sort of a given references that we all look at in our in our business, you know. So if you're going to wear your jeans, it's going to be, in a, hopefully, in a sort of artful um, fashion. So my go-to... If I could wear this every day, I would wear jeans and a sweatshirt every day. Um, but we have to have, you know, go to events and, and do black tie. And then I borrow things um, from people, which is, um, I always say this, it's a myth that fashion people just get given all these clothes and can buy all these clothes. We borrow, 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 borrow. Thank God we have friends. And we sort of, you, you go in, you're kind of fashion drag to these, these sort of things. I don't dress like that day to day. There's girls that do dresses and skirts better than I ever will. Um, so my challenge I guess is I mean I've been in my job long enough that I can you earn also I think a certain sense of command and you also for settle into your style so I this is sort of my jam and I, I stick to it but what if I have to go to an event that's when I'm always like oh god you know so that's the thing when and other girls it'd be so easy to wear like a nice dress and a jeans are a challenge so that's that's my thing um hi guys I'm Aya and I would say I have different uniforms for the different scenarios that um, I find myself getting involved in based on my job. Normally, if I'm going to a, a client meeting where I need to not show up like a like wet dog, I usually try to like keep it together and make sure that I look really professional and clean and normally I'm wearing black. Um, I would say when I'm on set doing photo shoots, which is a big part of my working life, whether it's with celebrity cover shoots or fashion stories, I'll be dressed like this in the most comfortable way possible because um, you can't being do a, a cover shoot in heels. Exactly. You can't. Being a stylist is a really physically demanding job. You are you know, dragging around racks of clothes, you're, you're handling like armfuls of shoes and accessories and you can't be too prissy. I don't know, that's not the right word, precious. but you can't be too precious about it. And if anyone that is assisting me shows up wearing heels, they will Fired. not be Sorry, working up. with me again, mainly just because it, it requires being a little bit, um, a little bit more mobile than one might imagine. And then, um, I don't know. I don't go to as many black tie events maybe as you, so I don't have a black tie look. I try not look. to go to many. Well, one of the things I wanted to just um, sort of ask Preetma too is that Preetma's the, on the cover of our book. Um, we have had the pleasure of, you know, sort of knowing Preetma for a while. And what's is. exciting about her too is that, you know, we met her at an event. At the time, she was an attorney. Um, and obviously, we got to know each other. And she really had a passion for, you know, for fashion and style and expressing herself through what she was wearing. And, you know, it was a real conflict for her in, a, in her former job. And she really wanted to break into fashion. And I think that what's so exciting about her too is that, you know, moving into the fashion industry is kind of like, unleash this whole transformation in you like she is no longer a lawyer she's now the market director at nylon magazine she has green hair she's a drummer in a band called vomit face um just getting less she lives in jersey city she's like all about sort of like you know breaking conventions um but tell us about that sort of particular journey and that kind of real departure that kind of you know transition that you really wanted to make and you were you struggled with it um i did I mean it's it's hard to make any kind of change whether it's a career you know personal like breaking up with a boyfriend whatever it is um, it's hard and you have to take risks and you don't know what's going to happen at the end of it um, and you know everything you know there are consequences to everything they're good and bad so was everything great changing careers no like it was really hard it's still hard I obviously like gave up a lot of financial security I have to worry about my bills now all the time but. I also, you know, I'm not crying every day and locking my door into my office and, you know, hoping nobody comes and, like, talks to me. Um, so it's just, you have to prioritize what is important to you. Is it, and it's, whatever it is, it's fine. If it's people in your life, that's fine. You don't have to give everything to your job. If it is your job, you can do that. Um, if it's being creative, go for that. But if you really do like just, you know, clocking into work and going home and that's it, that's fine. So you just have to decide what's right for you and 
the struggle isn't so hard then and the transition isn't so hard if you just make yourself happy first and then everything else kind of but you've falls also into established place. a reputation for kind of being this sort of you know this you know pioneer in street style too i know it's on it was unintended right. but um you know yeah, the but green i, think, I want to know about the yeah. green when did it's, you go green the day you left a, your job? It's a really mundane story <laughs> why I went green. Whatever, you fell, into, you fell into slime. Um, the Incredible Hulk. It's really fashion-y. I mean, I just can't highlight my hair turns orange. So I would always want it to be greener so it wouldn't turn orange. And then I found a stylist who was like, how about just going green? I said, okay. Touche. Let's do it. But I guess it's that kind of um, lack of kind of self-consciousness and willingness to take risks. Like, you know, if it looked bad, I know people probably think it looks bad, but I like it. But if I didn't like it, you can change it. And even bigger risks like changing careers, I mean, you can make a change back and you can have a fallback plan if it doesn't work out. Like, you can't predict what happens in your life, but if you never take the risks, I mean, you're never going to fulfill your potential. And... Um, yeah, and every, nothing is, you know, permanent or static. So, you know, try it. If, it might not work out, but that's not the end of the world. You grow, you learn, and I you think that's the most important thing, trying. The process is, is the so important part. so much deeper than street style. <laughs> or really, and she's getting into the heart of the exactly. matter. But yeah. that's, Kira, I mean, let's bring it back. Well, no, I mean, I think that let's it's... Let's go back to fashion. <laughs> I think the book is actually deeper than, than street style. It's so much, again, about expression and about risk-taking and about kind of pushing yourself into a zone that's not, maybe not comfortable. You know, I'd be curious to hear about from, from you guys, you know, uh, risks that you've taken um, either in dressing or, you know, in life that have paid off. I think... Well, I think... I, I, Back to me. No, um, I, I, were you even asking me? Because I'm just talking. Um, I think it's not a risk, but I think it's interesting. There's two ways you can be risky from the start, but I think I'm, you know, I've been doing my job for a long time. I've always been sort of jazzy and I've always gone up to people and talked to them and that's done, I've, that's done well for me. Uh, I also feel sometimes you earn your risk, uh, especially in fashion, uh, if you've been in it for a long time and you've sort of earned your stripes and you know your designers and whatever, and then it sort of frees you up to like, for example, Karl Lagerfeld, I can't stop grabbing him. Like, whenever I see Carl, I grab him. He's your boyfriend. He's like my human photo, a photo booth. He's like my boyfriend. And, you know, and, and when I was like 18 years old or 20 years old, and I, like somebody said to me, one day you've just been like grabbing this poor man and going, ah, you know what I mean? But I have worked in magazines he's for 20 sturdy, years. He's sturdy, though. Hmm? He's sturdy. He's, uh, he's dreamy. But, you know, uh, I've been doing that for a long time. And my, my currency, after a while, I think... You're, you develop your own currency and, and I'm the girl in fashion who knows what I'm doing and you know, helps run a magazine but I'm also sort of funny and eat my dinner and have a wine and I think that that's what, how people respond to me and that's what's, what's helped me about and I think that's where you sort of end up finding kind of your jam and there's people that would be like, oh, do I need to wear all Celine because I'm working in Harper's Bazaar and I need to... And it's like, but if you have confidence in something that you've earned or gained or, or that you just know you look better in jeans than anything else that's the way to go. And I think that that's just jumping off from what you said, like one of the most positive things about not just the style stocking book, but Refinery29 in general, is that they, um, they are not prescriptive about what brands you need to be wearing or what trends you need to be wearing. It is, as Pierre was just saying, it is about offering their readers the just the breadth of the options that are out there. And as I was telling Christine when we were in Milan, I was like, I actually read the whole site. Like I read all the posts. And so you kind of, when you when you are participating in the kind of editorial that they create, you are are getting the the widest breadth of of what the style possibilities are out there. And and now as the site grows, like more lifestyle content, and it's about their point of view. It's not about as Laura was saying, like it needs to be a two thousand dollar handbag or it needs to be Celine or whatever. That's not that's not their take on things. There are other sites that have that take on things, and, and that's less great imaginative. For them. Yeah. And when it comes to this book, there has been, I don't, you know, we're, we're very excited to hear your questions, but one of the things that I wanted to, to highlight about it is that there has been this whole evolution of street style books, which I think began with Fruits, which, um, 
which also I had... Really I thought you were talking about actual fruit. Sorry, go no, on. No, fruits, 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 was, fruits, um, fruits was a book of, Japanese. which if you don't own it, you really should. It's still awesome. Which was a book that documented the Japanese street style in Harajuku in like the late 90s, early aughts. And... And it also still wasn't, exists. it doesn't, ex it still exists and it has like 18 volumes, I'm sure, of like, of additional content. But that too wasn't about brands, it was about people expressing themselves. And what Christine and Piera have done is taken um, a street style book motif, which is normally a kind of a glorified picture book, but given each kind of way of dressing and each expression a little bit more of an editorial shape so that you can use it and take what you like and leave what you don't. And it's easy to to put on all the labels that you feel like you should put on and we could, I'm sure we'll get into this because we've got so many opinions on the street style and, and those who have currency and those who don't. But it's like there's a broader world out there. There's a certain interest that you, are, you obviously super dig denim. So do I, you know what I mean? And that's how we're always going to be. Damn it. Thank you. We're going to send you on the rest of our book tour in our oh, place. Really? Yeah. We didn't pay her to say that, but that was really <laughs> lovely. Well, it's the truth because their street style books are a category now. It's it's a type of book that, you know, you'll see it at like those stand-up tables at Urban Outfitters or or whatever it is where where certain kind of books that have great images are featured, but what this book does not only introduces you to really cool personalities, and I'm not just saying that because I was very lucky to be in it, but it's more, it's more like you get to meet people, you get to see people who have a unique take on things, you get to see people deconstruct their outfits and show, show it to you in a different way. So it's, it's like street style and more. That's And more. And more, it really more. is. <laughs> so... Aya, you, I mean, the question. You're, at Co you're at Cosmo now, and obviously you reach such a huge, you know, 30 million women. Um, you know, how do you think about kind of talking to women about fashion? What do you think is so, what do you think is, you know, important for women to think about when they're getting dressed? Um, I think that it's funny that you should ask this because I'm sitting here with Preetma and she and I were chatting before we came on stage and I was asking her about her new job at Nylon, which is where I used to work. And I think that as, as my own career has evolved, I think when I worked at Nylon, I had this real sense that like I was the brand. Now I work at, a, at a very mass, um, a more like corporate magazine environment where I, I recognize that there is a reader that I'm serving, but I don't consider myself that person. And that's been okay for me. Like the, the, the cosmopolitan aesthetic is like a little bit more sexy I've than- I've seen your new cover. And by the way, you killed it. That woman's Emily. Emily Radikowski. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a lot going on. My boss, Glenda, we were doing this, sorry to interrupt, but we did a mag front thing. We're, all, we're on the same company. Yes. These magazines present their, um, their covers, for their, uh, their initiatives for the next year, and Glenda looked at that cover and she went, oh, that's a good cover. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. And I think I feel like, like I have won as a stylist when I'm able to create an image that is like referential in some way or is saying more than just clothes or in the Cosmo point of view, like saying more than just like sexy hot girl. Um, and what Laura is referring to is this cover that we have out right now with Emily Ratajkowski from Gone Girl, where she's just kind of almost looks like a the, 70s like. What's the what video clip? She was from Blurred Lines. She yeah. was the, the bouncy one, I bouncy, guess is the term. Yeah. She's very nice, actually, and be bloody beautiful. She's but it was a good one. it was actually very fashion. So they took the the it girl. I'm now being we're doing ads for each other up the line. See what we're doing. But we did. It was really 70s, sort of high waist jeans, great denim shirt, belt. But of course, the shirt was like wow. But it really we actually took that sort of fashion motif and made it a bit broader. And that's what we try to do. And also, you can't go wrong with jeans and a denim shirt ever. Yeah, and I think that when you when. I work at a magazine that is like sold at Target and at the grocery store checkout line. So I need to make sure when I'm doing my job that I am producing images that aren't exclusively for the eyeballs of fashion people like us sitting here or, or you guys who are clearly passionate about fashion. Like it has to be for more than just 
our little micro audience. So that's what's interesting about my current. Can I ask down here? Because I want to know about the market at Nylon. Yes. Like who, like what you, I mean, because Nylon, I always read it because again, I'm like old, but you know, I read it and go, oh, like, God, those jeans are really good. And so how is like doing that sort of informed your style and how much of that stuff uh, do you well, see? I, this is my third week. So I don't know oh. if there's much change yet, but I mean, just whatever magazine I have worked at or whatever fashion project I'm working on, I think I try to look at it through a lens of like empowering whatever that reader is. You have to think about who the audience is. It's not for you. It's not for your best friend. It's for the person that you're targeting with a magazine. And a good magazine has, you know, a coherent vision about who they're, who they want to read it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's good and you can edit in a great way then. But I think it should still be about empowering that type of person and have them be like the best version of themselves that they can be. And, you know, even if there's like service articles saying how to wear this or that, I just hope people take that as a recommendation just to experiment with it and work it into their own lives. So when I'm doing anything, and I think Nylon's even a better place to do that because it is so free. You're allowed to experiment there. It's not as corporate or hierarchical. So it's really great because the content you can put in there can really convey that sense. Um, and I think readers should take it that way too. You shouldn't take it as a Bible, even if it says how to do this. It's, even if it says you, you don't have to take this. it literally. Like Just have fun with it and maybe take yeah that one you know, cut of pant from that or like that one, you know, button up shirt or that one trench that has like a cool detail. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. You don't, again, you don't have to dress in all one label or one look or, you know, a look that's been presented to you. It's just to get inspiration and go from there and kind of. Unless you get a really good here. discount, then maybe yeah, you should yeah. do a one. <laughs> I think if it's on sale, then it's on sale. Fun. <laughs> Well, in terms of experimentation, like like for me, like when I was a teenager, I got really into shopping at this one thrift store, and I bought an Amish bonnet, like a '60s mod coat, and these disco boots, and I, I like to it. wear that all together. together. Yeah. Yes, all at once. I'd be curious, you know. I I know Christine and I have seen each other through many style evolutions, although she didn't get to witness that one, unfortunately. Um, I wish. You know, Did what, the Amish bonnet get what, all the boys? Oh, oh, it got it all got all the girls. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Well, I love that. I mean, in a magazine, it has to be a little mo co more coherent when you present an idea, but real life doesn't have to be. And I think that's something people are losing with maybe being so image conscious, like with the internet and putting yourself out there. I mean, you don't have to look like an editorial and you shouldn't. You shouldn't make sense necessarily. Like, you can like things that seem disparate and you can still be like, a really, well, I think that actually makes you an interesting person. You don't have to just be the uptown girl or the downtown girl or this or that. I mean, it's great to look to those tropes to like, if you want like an element of it, like if you're feeling like a little prudish, put on your Amish bonnet, put but on then your you're bonnet, like girls. a little disco-y too and put on your sparkly but don't you, boots. Don't you notice but that like some of these street style people now, and it, it all, it's this calculated... Right. Well, I wanted to uh, mention this. I wanted and to mention like, something about street style. That for weeks. Sorry? No, no, no. I wanted to mention something about street style because I think it's obviously a big, a big part of the book. Um, a lot of our, a lot of the imagery, most of the imagery in the book was was drawn from you know photography that we'd taken during Fashion Week, and street style is like such a an enormous sort of like you know global phenomenon now. It's a business, um, but what I think is wonderful about it, um, which I think in some ways we've sort of you know we've lost this you know sort of essence, is that it's really about expressing yourself and it's about celebrating all of the weird and wonderful things you like to wear that just, you know, appeal to you. Um, but I would love to ask one of you, whoever wants to respond, just like, you know, what do you think some of the, you know, uh, advantages or disadvantages of street style? Because it is really predictable now. We just got back from, you know, I and I just got back from Europe and it's intense. It is like, literally, it's like going to war because being outside those shows and you've been there, I mean, it's like, it's... Yeah. It's really, it, it's, there's just, well, there's like, get it's like squashed. Beyonce is arriving at a show. There is like a pack of paparazzi and, and street style photographers. It's just so overwhelming. We're and I think in, it does put a lot of pressure on you, not just for people that have to go to shows to report on them and to obviously bring, you know, information back to their, you know, respective magazines or websites, but people, you know, like you who are just interested in looking at what people are wearing, it's not necessarily always realistic. And I think that's the bummer about it. 
I was really uh, two small thoughts, very small thoughts. It really lost me when I only have small thoughts. Um, tiny thoughts. Uh, I was at a Valentino show a couple of years ago, and it really lost me. There was a girl in a borrowed Valentino dress, and she was in the Tuileries in Paris, and she was just twirling. She was twirling and twirling. For these assembled photographers, she was just turning around. Having a, and she, it was all staged, and I was like, oh, for God's sake. But um, I guess that's what's sort Did of like... Did you photobomb her? The apex. No, I couldn't. I just went... I, because that would normally be my desire, but I had no. But what I do now, I have, uh, I call them triple S's, street style star, friends. Um, one of them is Yasmin Sewell, who is a very groovy uh, girl. Joe Hillman, who I work with. Um, all of these girls. And now when I go to a show with them, I like, because I just go with it, because there's these hordes of people. And so I yell at the photographers, I go, over here, everybody, Yasmin Sewell, everybody. And they, my friends hate me, but they all come running, and I'm like... <laughs> Because if you're just going to, that's what they want. You may as well just own up to the fact that this is completely ridiculous, and there's there's a there's a horde, and so just get your picture done, and we can all get on with our lives. But it's not very cool. But it's it's so interesting because yeah. it really is a, a new industry, and it's something that's popped up. And I think in a lot of ways, it's really great because it's turning the focus onto how you know in different theory, different fantastic. individual women dress. In practice, you know. it's exhausting. In theory, the idea of it, the diversity of it is, is, yeah. is, is great. But I mean, it's when everybody gloms on, it's like, I just want to walk on the sidewalk. Well, I, I think it popped up because it felt more relatable than looking at the runway, looking yeah. at models. You know, these are, you know, Absolutely. often teen, teenagers that are six feet tall and yay big. I know, they look so great in the So I think seeing, seeing real, you know, seeing women with careers that are, you know, wearing clothes in their own way and putting things together in their own way it is and was, you know, inspiring, which is how that industry kind of popped up. But I still then, look at my friends like that and go, yeah. really? How did you get that dress? I want it. I want to be you right now. Anyway. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think that there is like an element of like funny and ridiculous, as Christine was pointing out, and as, and as Laura's story definitely illustrates as well, where it's like, People, you know, we have observed certain individuals who will go nameless, nameless, like changing their outfit four times during a day. And it's like at a certain point, you're like, don't you have a job to do? Like, isn't there isn't there like something else to do with your time other than like multiplying on the amount of pictures you want to be taken of you? And I think that some of the dark side of that, which I would imagine and I haven't met all of you individually, but I would assume that some of you are people who either work in fashion or would like to, is I think that it, when people are following individuals on social media who they, you know, maybe they aspire to have a life like that or aspire to go to shows in Paris or, or do whatever those roles are, I think that the way that it looks on social media is really different than the reality of living it. And I, so there's like the ridiculous of it, but then I think there's also like a little bit of a dark side where I can promise you, I, I certainly don't even have like a fraction of Laura's followers, but all post pictures that I know are in no way an illustration of what my day was like because maybe that day sucked, but I need to, I feel like something. it's my responsibility to make it look like it was like a big giant party where I was hanging out with Carl. And the best time ever. But, but I... I I don't, I don't think that anyone would necessarily follow someone on social media who was like morose and such a downer. It's more just like, I, I almost like wish that there was some giant disclaimer over the world of street style and the fashion industry in general. Like a big, like this is not a big real banner life. that's like, it's not actually like how this looks. Or street style star X was, was preparing her outfit for six months. Right. You know, while we were earning... Well, money. I, yeah. I mean, I think you know, in the in the book, we did a mix it's of the real ladies. You, yeah, have. we yeah. Ha, we you know purposefully chose a mix of women in all different industries and that are you know in fashion, not in fashion, but who really felt confident and who had a really unique way of expressing themselves and have to dress for real lives or teachers and mothers and you know and and doctors and people that you know aren't necessarily in the fashion industry but still want to you know do cool things when they get dressed in the morning yeah we're always trying to find it's so funny in the magazines where it's like so she's like well we need we need a chic doctor you know what I mean? So now I'm just going to go get your book <laughs> is there a chic doctor in the house a chic doctor in the house Laura's feeling ill I feel ill <laughs> I want to actually 
point, uh, sort of direct this to Laura, is um, Harper's Bazaar is obviously, it's a, a historic um, legacy magazine. It's incredibly influential. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. They work with some of the best stylists and photographers in the world. But most of the stuff you feature is really expensive. <laughs> um, no, it's challenging. And I no, get yeah. a lot of inspiration from magazines like that and British Vogue. And, you know, sometimes it does feel really unrealistic, you know, to sort of peruse the sort of September issue and then feel like, how am I going to sort of, you know, how I am I going to be able to take that information and really make it work for me? Um, which is one of the reasons why in the book we wanted to kind of like show lots of different ways you could do tons of awesome stuff with right. things you have in your own closet. But how do you feel about that in terms well, of like those messages or that kind of, you know... To my, to my sort of what I was saying earlier about how I borrow dresses, I can't afford half this damn stuff, you know? I mean, of course not. I'm in publishing. Um, but it, it informs... Your eye, you know what I mean. It makes you. I've been reading magazines since I was nine, and I would read the supermodels, and and I always wanted a beat up leather jacket because they had, or jeans because they had, and it's just a way of thinking. It's like, and we try to like we have pages which are which are lesser, and we we love nothing more. And all of the editors are walking around going, "Oh my god, I got this." So, I mean, how many times Joe Hillman walks in and something, and she's like, "I got it from Zara." I'm like, "Oh, cool." You know, I think that. When you really understand fashion, you understand the nuances of fashion. I think the least adventurous um, way to be in fashion is to spend all your money on that stuff. Um, but if you know for next season, like I'm stoked that the 70s is in because I just love this stuff so much and I can wear a, a knitted, a stripy knit and this is it's not a stripy knit, I can tell the difference. But um, and 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 jeans and that's cool and I could get that from any any vintage store. I could get that from H and M. I could and, and as much as I want uh, I want the Dries Van Noten full look. Maybe I'll get a top, but I won't I be able too. to get that. We all do. Um, but it's just it's it's information. I think that I sort of underthink it and go, yes, I'm. That is not my budget. Also, this particular look might date itself in six months, but it makes a real pretty picture and it shows something that people designers are thinking. And you and then you spend your money on the good pair of shoes and the good handbag. You know, and the rest of the stuff you can kind of find. Is that your formula? Your is that your advice? I just think that that's yeah. I mean, I these are the things you're stomping around on them all day. Cheap. If you've got a cheap pair of shoes that lets you down, and like you know, spend that amount of money, you can wear your jeans. You can wear a black pencil skirt. You can wear a great jacket. You can wear an awesome knit. That I mean, I, I've gotten some of the best knits of my life from J Crew or or um, Uniqlo or great cashmere from there. Like there's just. A great, I have one of my best camel coats is like H&M and it was like $69. People always go, Celine, they go, haha, no. You know, so I think the way of, of navigating fashion is understanding that there's ways to, to look classic, there's ways to look cooler and you don't have to invest your life savings and that's not the coolest thing to do anyway. Yeah. So true. I think, um, yeah, to Christine's point, too, in the, in the book, we really tried to show things like one piece, three ways, different ways. You know, I think so much is I walk into the office and I see, you know, Christine wearing, you know, a skirt over, you know, a skirt over pants. And modern or three coats at a time or this three coats really over each layers. other yeah, look what's under there you've got another thing I under there I know and I was really hot at the start but I feel like I know but look, look yeah. you've got another bit see that there's a it's little one a it's really a shirt under a coat it's, it's yeah. exciting it's but not I think that radical. you know you see something and it's you know it's not just about going out and buying a whole new wardrobe it really is about kind of getting creative with what's in your closet and kind of coming up with new combinations I would love to hear you know from well, and one other thing yeah. can I, I just want to add on to it is that one of the things that that is a through line in the tone of how Christine and Piera made this book and and how they uh, have all their editors create the stories on the site is that there is like a there's a friendliness and like a I'm on your team. It's weird because they're not friendly in the way that so they unfriendly. create their editorial, which is how they have been able to expand their brand past fashion into all these lifestyle categories because it's about the attitude with which they and how they direct their you know ever-growing staff to to speak to their readers that is as Preetmo was saying it's not prescriptive it's more saying like here are your options we're your best friend we're on your side and that's what is um, when it comes to street style books or or style websites I think that some of the the downfalls that that other less successful sites have experienced is is a tone that's either a too salesy which everyone at this point can smell a rat, and 
or is just is overly prescriptive and and the way that you they approach, should you should yeah and the way that they approach it's what seems to me like everything that they touch is is in a I don't even know how to say it other than to say like we're on your team like and that's kind of in a in a world of of fashion where it can sometimes feel really exclusive they make it so that it's like we're all on the same level inclusive yeah Thank you. That's that's what we're trying to do. We, can I you know. can I get one question quickly in for Preetma before we yes. do the questions? Um, so one of the things I really admire about Preetma is that she really doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks of what she wears, um, and it and it's literally like such a revelation to see what she's wearing at different events because it's so inspiring to me because sometimes it's thrift, sometimes it's something it's an emerging designer that no one's heard of yet, sometimes it's something from a sample sale. So, you know, I would love to know a little bit about just like what your, you know, like what kind of like turns you on when you're like getting dressed in the morning and like, you know, thinking about sort of throwing together these really, you know, kind of weird and very unexpected combinations because you're kind of known for it now. Um, well, it starts with something very practical. I mean, I look at the weather, look what I have to do. I mean, I have to be comfortable. I don't like feeling... You know, I have to watch what I'm wearing or, you know, because I think that affects your confidence and how you live your life. I mean, I think it's most important to feel good about yourself on the inside. And then it never seems calculated to me. It always just seems like you have like a sonar when you open up your closet. I mean, that's really how it is. I'm very like visceral person. And I I like to be that way, like whatever it is, whatever I like, whether it's music or fashion, I just want to have a gut response because that makes me happy. Like, I don't want to think I overthink everything. We live in New York. You have to think all the time. You have to be on the defensive. I just love things that give you like joy without having your brain involved. You know, it's just like in your stomach, in your heart. So that's really how I go about it. And, you know, if I get a new idea, I want to try it out. Then maybe I'll pull something together that feels that way or get inspired by a certain person. And I want to kind of inject some of that into myself. That's, I mean, that's as much thought as I put into it. But it's really like I try to be spontaneous about it because I think that's the fun in it. I have 30 seconds. Can I, can I end with one thing? I would just love to know for everyone, like a speed round before we go to questions, tell us the one thing that you absolutely have to have for fall winter. Go. I love Cheap the, or expensive, go. I mean, if anybody ever wants to get this for me, the Christopher Kane, uh, like cable sweaters are like gorgeous, but they're insanely expensive. Very so. fancy. Aya? I'm really into that gigantic teddy bear coach shearling number. Yeah. Is it faux or is it real? It's it's a real shearling, but it's like a sleeping bag of a coat, and it's an American brand. So I'm oh patriot, to, yeah, patriot <laughs> supporting. Laura. Um, I, w- I really love from last season with the last last shows the Gucci collection with the big pink and blue like pale blue furs. Whistles whistles.com has faux furs. If you're into fur or not, regardless, but they're really cool. And I got a pink one, and it's like. It really wasn't, it was really reasonable. And my boss, Glenda, who's just appearing in my conversation a lot tonight, she looks like, oh, that's good. And she got a blue one. So we're going to be like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. But I'm just saying, you can't go Gucci, you can go Whistles. Do you want to go, You? What's you? Am I going? Yeah, you're Yeah, come on. Do it quick. What do you want for fall? I I want a leopard print coat. Damn right. Can you tell me? Because I'm trying to get a good one too. I don't know where where I should get it from. Rachel Comey has an amazing faux fur leopard coat on her site right now. So it is Eritzia and it's yes. super cheap. See? Perfect. Look at this. Look at us. Okay, so I'm go and buy my coats and buy it right if now. If you're not okay. buying coats right now, buy <laughs> do one on your phone while we're talking. We don't care. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to, to take your questions now if you have any. Thanks everyone for coming out. Um, I just always had a question in the back of my mind. Who actually, I know there's different countries involved in terms of trend setting and in Europe and everything as far as influences on America and even America and other countries. Who is really behind the, the trends, like whether like flannels coming back in or whether this or that? Who is behind it and, and is there a shift that you see taking place as far as who's behind really that trend? We always wonder like when we're seeing like the shows, like 
who got like everyone got the memo. It's like all of a sudden it's like pink or there's orange. And I always wonder if it's like this sort of like underground, you know, sort of secret society that's like telling them shears. Um, but the Laura, collective unconscious. I, I yeah. think everything's an antidote to the season before as well. So if they're going to be like, I did great, then I want to, I'm feeling optimistic. I'm feeling, but it's like that great monologue that um, Meryl Streep does in Devil Wears Prada about the cerulean blue sweater. You know what I mean? You don't know that in one day that was the fabric at the mill and the designer got that and he turned it into this and then it all filtered down. You know what I mean? I think that that's sort of, and also, but the, the designers look at people on the street, you know, but they all sort of, but every, it is really like this, like, equal and opposite reaction is like they've done this and they've also got to sh- prove that they're moving along so they moved from the 60s to the 70s god bless them hi um so being in new york we all have either really tiny closets or no closets um what do your closets kind of look like or how do you deal with like seasonal swap outs or like you know like, sometimes I'd like have to hold back from buying because I'm like I have too much I just don't have space oh dear this God. is Christine's yeah. question I moved to New Jersey <laughs> say, I, need, I need to take this so bad um, I am a I am a you. sort of compulsive purger um, of my closet of because course. I'm like you I have a really small closet and I'm in the process of renovating a new apartment on trying is on the cheap closet? exactly for my closet um, and I have this opportunity to design my closet even though this one's not that much bigger than my current one. And I think it's like an enormous challenge, especially if you want to be able to access things, you want to be able to see everything. I don't believe in shoeboxes because as soon as something's like stored away, it's like it ceases to exist to me. It's like I sometimes if I pull it out, unless it's like an off-season thing, which I think that's really the trick, is to really sort of have your sort of off-season stuff packed in a place where you don't have to worry about it, you don't need it right now. But I do think that having less is more, purging is so important. And I think that it really does hold you back in life, not even just in your pursuit of your own personal styles. Like the more crap that you have in your closet, it makes it absolutely impossible to figure out like who you are, what you want to wear, what looks good on you. And you really should like narrow it down to only the stuff in your closet that you know when you try on in front of your girlfriends, it makes you feel amazing. And I love that you are a purger. Oh yeah. I, I went I, to- I went to Beacons this weekend to sell stuff, and I actually bought what I'm wearing there. But I used the credit. You just replaced I didn't take it. the cash. But but it, but I went there, and and the girl that was check like that was like going through Did my stuff was like, you work with Christine Barbrick. She comes here all the time. I purge there too. I I love that you're a a closet purger and I love your question. One of the things that I like to do and in in working in fashion, we are all about like a million rolling racks. So I have an extra rolling rack that I keep under my bed at home. And once a season, I take out my rolling rack, I get everything out from my closet and I this is like a weird thing that I probably shouldn't be saying in public. But like I, I bring over a friend who's another stylist and I take... Everything out Is there of the closet. Involved? No, but it should, really? be. should be. I put it on the rack and I shop as if I'm buying it again. Do you know oh, what I mean? That's brilliant. So like I take out all the stacks of t-shirts, all the hanging things, and I arrange it on the rack as if You should do that when you go home or this weekend. That's your that's your assignment. I feel Literally like when it's your buried in the closet, it's like it's kind of like when you move. When you move, you're like, what's this? Right? It's you're like, like renewing what are your all vows. these things? I could have gotten rid of this five years ago. But if you if you reshop all of those things again, you kind of learn a little bit about what's not working, and you can get rid of it, buy more awesome uh, other things or kind of reduce the clutter. Also, life is editing. As I've realized, I am an editor, but you sort of, in life, you choose what you like and don't choose what you don't like. And if you just look at that, like, I'm an editor, I'm gonna edit my closet. And I I find my closet as a metaphor for my life. It's like, my closet's in control, my life's in control. Like, when my closet's messed up, I'm like, I'm a disaster, you know? And then I just disappear for a week and cry. No, but you know what I mean? So just uh, go, go purge. Do it now. Why are you still sitting there? I would add one thing to that. You have to try everything on. I think there's this, like, you have... A lot of times we romanticize things in our closets. Like, I love having that dress there. But you... But you can't remember the last time you actually tried it on. You have no idea how it looks on you, and you're just and then finally when you put it on, you're like, oh, oh I can't believe I've been holding on to this for as long as I have, and it's just like such a waste. So try everything. That's on. when the booze comes in. You should yes, definitely do it. It's true. Booze. Yeah, it's true. Anybody else? Hi, my name Hi. is Tanya. I just want to let you guys know that you guys are fabulous, all of you. I'm so Thanks, excited Tanya. to attend this panel talk. 
Um, so my question is, there's amazing street style happening in the emerging markets, especially like Lagos, San Paolo, um, Dubai, Bombay. So do you think the idea of wearing ethnically driven clothing, like wearing a sari over a blazer or a tunic or a jeans will happen at like the major fashion yeah. weeks? And Oh yeah, was influencing the print so much. That's what I mean, really, last couple of seasons ago now. No, it's so funny because there's a, there is no, there's a Lagos fashion week. And uh, I think if you had Mickey Boardman went there, a few people, and I've, I've always wanted to go. My friend um, Justin O'Shea from, from My Teresa went. It's freaking awesome. You know what I mean? And I think that the first way, but I think a lot of those prints are really in there. And oh, well, Suno, for example, which uses, you know, works with, that's Christine's jacket, um, works with those fabrics. I think that's the way, firstly, it's going to come. And I, I think it's going to be more and more and more. And it's so refreshing. And there's such heart in it. You know what I mean? And I think that, yeah, bigger and bigger. And we need something new to look at, you know, so we're all for it. Yeah. We should auction off the questions. I'm auctioning off you. <laughs> when you talked about making fashion more inclusive than exclusive, is there anyone in the market that you think as far as brands are doing that right now? And how do you, how do you maintain that? You mean designers or like, you know, Zara's or things like that? Both. Cost, yeah, price point or just in terms of their liking people? I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, she's, I love Rachel Comey just because she's able to kind of draw from, you really look at her clothes and you kind of see her in them. And I feel like they're incredibly wearable, but they always make me feel just a little bit extra special. Um, and she just is kind of fearless when it comes to like playing around with patterns and textures. And, you know, some of her stuff doesn't seem to make sense, but you try it on and it just does. So I think she's someone that really speaks to, you know, a, a consumer that really wants to kind of, you know, play around and explore their personal style a little bit more. That would be my I like, I like I, I really like designers with some soul, and it sounds sort of cheesy, but sometimes I find some of the coolest designers, the coolest, this, that we're all supposed to go to at Fashion Week, and they just, I don't feel anything in their clothes. And this is not a price point thing, because it's expensive, but Albert at Lanvin, like, he actually always says, I hate the word cool. I'm so uncool. I love being uncool. And the women he dresses, and sure, they can afford, this is, again, not a price thing. But they're bigger and smaller, and they're doctors, and they're lawyers, and they're housewives, and they're and he has such a diversity of women that he dresses for, and he loves women, and he loves people. And I think you can tell that in the clothes. So that's who I, I love. That's how I feel about Drees. Yeah, Drees. I feel like. Hang on, what about all fashion girls say? We all yeah. go Drees. Oh my god! Yeah. If he could, if he was straight, I would marry him. I have. I have. I don't know. I just love Drees, but I feel that way. It's you know. Depending on who puts it on, it just looks completely different, but it fits almost every personality, age, you know, skin color, whatever it is. It just, like, seems to work, and obviously it's on the higher price point. But, and, but he's, I like, just love that. No, yeah. totally. I didn't mean to interrupt you because I'm just so yeah. excited. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. But he's, like, completely in control of his company, and I feel like, you know, you can tell. That like, too. all of his stuff is produced in Belgium, and or most of it's in Belgium, but... I'd never, I'd literally this past um, Fashion Week was the first time I went to a Dries show and I was literally sitting next, this woman who I'd just met, we were holding hands during the show. I was like trembling with excitement because it was so amazing and it really like, it like fulfilled all of my dreams. It was incredible. And more? And more and more. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing that he also runs his company, you yes. know, quite ethically and he's in control of it. Um, because you can get that soul, like that's, you know, part of the designs. And that's why I think there's that human connection with any kind of woman or man if you're um, buying the men's collections. It's, it's real. It's not, you know, it's not a private equity it's group trying real. to, like, maximize profits. It's a real There's designer. a lot of that. Loves what he does, so. I have three questions, but I'll just... Ah, you, oh, cheeky monkey. Do you want one or sneaky. two? <laughs> okay, I'll start with one. Um, it's... Quite, okay, how do you pick your next upcoming designer to talk about? Do you actually, are you, do you go by publicists who keeps sending stuff to you and drumming it into your ear or do, no. you, do you go out and hunt for them? <laughs> Those usually and how do you pick them? To. How do you pick them? You don't them? want to be bombarded by anything. Um, yeah, you normally that's right. Hear. You know, it's so great, Viney, too. It's like, I remember actually Prabal. I think we were the first magazine to feature Prabal. Somebody had been done there. Like, oh, my God, you should see this, like, red 
you know, amazing collection this guy's done. We talk a lot to each other. Um, you know what I mean? The least appealing pitch, the least appealing way to find a designer is through a PR, just blasting you with stuff because you're like, I'm yeah, really busy. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, I just went this morning to see, um, and I've, I hadn't met him before, Del Pozo, uh, Josep Font, who's a Spanish designer who has the most exquisite clothes. He was actually trained as an architect, he did couture and... It's just, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, but I heard about that because I would see somebody wearing a dress at a party and then I went to one of the shows and I went to the show just this season and I was like, I would missed a couple and I was like, oh my God, I want to go and meet this guy and he's the most adorable guy. Went down there in the rain, soggy pants, yeah. you know, and he was, he was talking me through this stuff and I was like, this is glorious and it's because he turned something on in my mind and everybody at work who's seen a lot of stuff were all like, Oh my God! Did you see what he did with the shells on the? And that's where. That's where yeah, you find. But people, people seem to think that they need to go through a, a publicist to get out there. So I mean, it, it helps sometimes, but not if if you don't have the raw stuff. There's no point, you know. Yeah, and it's an, um, the second question is um, listening to you guys speak. It's it's quite it's. it's Are you quite Australian? I'm Australian. Hi. Hi. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> And um, I'm, a, I'm a couturier, and I'm quite established in Sydney. But um, I'm in New York because I'm a New York resident as well, and I don't find enough time to be here. So it was when I heard about the event, I just said, yes, I'm in there. But um, the thing is, it's really quite lovely to see how simple and normal you guys are. Because, you know, you're, you're fashion directors, and you, you have this image of fashion directors as being very, you know, like a lot of attitude. And and to think that you were saying that you don't you can't afford like amazing ball gowns and stuff, and you would think that designers would throw stuff at you. Oh, they do. I just I'm exhausted by it. <laughs> you just you just don't wear them. <laughs> I've got a bag of stuff back there. No, uh, no. I mean, look. The more the longer you work, you, you obviously after a while. I remember once I had an, had an assistant. It was a couple of years ago, and she was like quite a fluffy, pretty, poshy girl. And I, somebody sent me a dress, like Calvin Klein dress or something. And she said, oh, my God, you're so lucky that you got that dress. And I sort of turned around and kind of ate her face. I was like, I've been working in magazines 18 years. I better get a free dress by now. But, you know, it's like you get that because sometimes if you work really hard, it's like anybody, if, if you're a dentist, if you don't do teeth right or if you're a doctor or if you're – this is my job. And, and if I, I work with people and I put clothes on people and I put clothes on celebrities sometimes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – occasionally get a dress because I've worked 20 years now and I'm occasionally going to talk to a celebrity because it's my job. So I think that that's – everything becomes becomes a job and I think a lot of the preciousness of fashion comes out of it because we are looking at clothes on a rack and they're beautiful clothes and amazing clothes but we're making the dream from those clothes but sometimes you're like, oh, it's just a lot of clothes and it gets a little desensitised in a way. Um, we still look at a Dries show and go, oh, my God. you know. But when you're doing a couture shoot and all the dresses are shoved on there, it's like – it's, 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 it's your job, you know? Yeah. It's the job. I knew the Aussie would have three questions. So cheeky. <laughs> yeah? Thanks, everybody, yeah. for coming. Yeah, thank you guys so much yeah. for coming. Thank Don't forget so to much. buy Style Stocking. <laughs> <laughs>